Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that prayers, petitions, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those who are in authority, in order that we might live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this testimony I was appointed a herald and an apostle, I speak the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Likewise I also want women to adorn themselves with respectable clothing, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, or expensive clothes, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works." A woman should learn in a quiet manner, with full submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Instead, she is to continue in a quiet manner. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but it was the woman who was deceived and became a transgressor. But she will be saved, while bearing children, if they remain faith and love and sanctification with self-control. This is the word of our God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, a little bit shorter, only 15 verses, but keeping in context that Paul is now giving some very practical advice to young Timothy. How does he combat this teaching, this false teaching of Gnosticism, which we talked about in yesterday's podcast episode, this false teaching that really sought to divide um, people from one another into a hierarchy of I know more and you know less and I need to teach you in order that you can have this higher knowledge. And so there's that aspect of it. But also Gnosticism divides in the sense that it divides the person and it creates this unnatural division between the spiritual world and the physical world. And we see this even echoed in our world today when we talk about... um, you know, I think the example I used yesterday was talking about the the human body. When you talk about the human body biologically, it is this gender, but in the inward person, they feel like a different gender. That is a Gnostic confusion that really is predicated on the idea that the world has always existed and that in the Gnostic sense that the world itself is bad and the spiritual is good and more pure and then ought to be listened to. That is that is what is at play when we talk about um, transgenderism today. And I say that with all the sympathy of somebody who, towards somebody who would be confused on that topic or who is worried about that topic. And um, we'll talk about that another time, no doubt. But when Paul writes to Timothy here, In that first chapter, he talked about the different ways that the false teachers were leading people astray into endless genealogies and myths and things that they didn't really know anything about. And now he gets into practical ways, like how can you structure and how can you maintain good order in the worship service when there is this false teaching floating around? And it sounds like one of the the main take-homes of that false teaching was that people would assert their own authority and their own knowledge one against the other, that it didn't matter if you actually knew anything about it, but if you just talked about it and use your words and spent all these these words to make it sound really good and fluffy and wonderful, then that would give you the impression that this person knew, knew what they were talking about. 
And so Timothy is told to make sure you have an orderly worship service. That is one of the practical ways in which Gnosticism is combated, where the orderly worship service focused on the reading of God's word and the hearing and the proclamation of the gospel. That orderly worship service is one way in which order is imposed on people and in which the individual is diminished for the hearing of the gospel. That the individual emotional response to the worship service matters less than the individual hearing of the word and the individual opinion about what might be said or what was left out matters less than the work of the Holy Spirit through that word. And so he says, you know, as he said in, um, in 1 Corinthians, that God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And he wants an orderly worship service. And so Paul says, first of all, I urge that prayers, petitions, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, (laughs) all people. Don't harbor grudges and forgive each other. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? That we recognize we pray for all people and especially kings and all those in authority, um, because we know that God is above them as well, and God will hold them accountable, and God has ordained the government to be a blessing for his people. And whether they are or whether they aren't isn't really our concern. It is our concern to act with proper attitude toward them and to focus on the preaching of the gospel. And But the prayer here that he talks about, um, the prayers and petitions, intercessions for the king and all those in authority— includes that we might live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. And that is something worth praying, most certainly, that we might live a quiet and peaceful life, that we are free to go about our business with little interference from those who would be opposed to the gospel message, that they would be, let us live our lives honorably, and that we who live in this world would conduct ourselves in a way that is above reproach. And he says, this is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Paul comes around again to one of those elements of Gnosticism that is a thorny issue. Um, He says, verse 5, There is one God and one meteor between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is united. um, God and man in one person. The second person in the Trinity at the same time as the the son of Mary, um, incarnate through the miracle of the incarnation. But Paul specifically refers to Christ Jesus here as the man, Christ Jesus. And Jesus uses that same term for himself in the Gospels, the Son of Man. Um, But one of the reasons why he highlights the fact that Jesus has flesh and that Jesus is man, because he's highlighting that matter in and of itself is not bad, that the physical world in and of itself is not bad, that having a body is not a bad thing, and that the goal isn't to be free free from this body at some point, to free ourselves as that Greek philosophy of Gnosticism asserted. But rather, Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all. And now he serves as the one mediator between God and mankind. And that's the other element of Gnosticism. That idea of Gnosticism is also intertwined with another Greek philosophy that said um, that was kind of dualism was the idea. It was that there's a good God and that there's a bad God. And Gnosticism just took that idea of dualism, of a good God and a bad God, or, you know, if you like Star Wars terminology, the light side and the dark side of the force. Um, Gnosticism took that idea of dualism and just said, well, the good is the spiritual and the bad is the physical. 
And Paul says, well, that's not how it works. God himself, the second person of the Trinity, took on our human flesh. And in that person of Jesus Christ, there is this union of the human nature and the divine nature. There's this union in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this Jesus died on a physical cross to redeem us from spiritual reality of sin. And that has eternal spiritual and physical blessing and benefit that you have been set free from that sin in order that you may live a godly life. And so that you would be resurrected at the end of time and receive your body back. That's what he's talking about here. And so he says, as a result, in the worship service, part of the way to make sure that you can um, combat this Gnosticism, combat the false doctrine, is to um, to pray in that worship service. Lift up holy hands without anger or argument. And also to conduct yourselves and approach the worship service in a way that is respectful. Because the idea of Gnosticism, which says that the body is bad, that the physical world is bad, that idea of Gnosticism would have a person abuse their body in any way, um, such as through deprivation, um, you know, like starvation, or, or through excess, such as gluttony, um, as well as every other way that the body is to be used. Deprivation in, um, in a sexual sense, which would be abstinence even within a marriage, um, it was one of the things that the Gnostics asserted. They said that since the physical is bad, then this physical union of husband and wife is bad. Or through gluttony. Um, in the use of the body, that if the body is bad, then I can do something good, they would say, by mistreating my body with multiple sexual partners in excess, in a form of gluttony, in just following my desires, and um, because those desires are of the spiritual sense, they would say, that those desires are not a physical entity, but that they are a spiritual or a spirit-driven and inward emotional, I think that's a better word here, an emotional desire. And by obeying that emotional desire, I can do something good with the, by abusing the physical, by the misuse of the physical. I don't know if that all made sense, but the basic premise that Paul says is that the way we conduct ourselves in our individual lives and in our marriages and in the church and especially the worship service and the way we present ourselves and the way we recognize that when we come to worship, we are coming as physical, spiritual beings <laughs> coming into the presence of God. And so he says, I want women to adorn themselves with respectable clothing, with modesty and self-control. Um, and he says he wants men to lift up holy hands without anger or argument, that we aren't driven along by our emotions and by our desires and giving into them at every whim as though that is a good thing to do, which is what Gnosticism says. But rather, but rather, we remain in faith and love and sanctification with self-control, that we aren't driven along by our emotion, but we have been redeemed from being driven along by those emotions and redeemed for the purpose of serving God. And so as you go about your day, what does it look like to be cognizant and aware and thinking of that connection between your inward life your inward spiritual life, which also affects the emotions of your daily life. And the connection between the inward life 
in the outward life? How do you live in your in your body, um, whether it's um, within the family or as you care about your tasks? How do you present yourself to the world? How do you live in such a way that you are aware of these ideas that are still floating around and becoming more popular and that the way in which you conduct yourself, the prayers in which you pray and, and the, the way in which you encourage your fellow Christians, those can be ways that you also encourage godly living, that you also combat the false teaching of those around us that we aren't we haven't been called as Christians we haven't been called to simply wring our hands as the world burns around us and to say oh look at all the bad out there but the reality is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and you have a divine purpose here to serve God in your specific vocation with the hats that you wear today thanks so much for joining us here at the raised with Jesus podcast god bless your day <music>